And do I desire your prayers this morning? Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Sobering words, serious message. If you're visiting with us, we've been preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we preached the same scriptures last week. Um, and we're going to preach them again this week. Um, I've been thinking a lot about these scriptures. I hope you have too. Um, maybe I could say this to start off. If you're a professing Christian and the only time you think about this Bible and what it teaches is on Sunday morning, something's seriously wrong. I was thinking about Psalms 119 and I... I put it up on the screen this morning, Psalms 119. I just want you to listen and ask yourself, does this describe you? We're going to get to Matthew 7 in just a second. But does this describe you? Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh let me wander not far from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart. That I might not sin against you. Amen. Blessed are you O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Now ask yourselves. Does my heart long to know and keep God's word? Am I, am I seeking God with my whole heart? Or is this whole Christianity thing just a little part of your busy life? I mean, I mean, really, does, does your heart desire to keep his statutes, to learn his judgments, to, to know and to do his commandments? Do you hide his word in your heart? That you might not sin against him. And I mean answer serious. Or are you like the large majority of people. Who say they're Christians today. And in reality they don't even think about God that much. They don't live for him. They don't follow him. They don't serve him. They don't even really love him. Because they don't even really know him. They've changed a few habits. But in their heart they still love the world. They love the things of the world and the love of the Father is not in them. Those are very, very important questions for us to answer today. And in the coming weeks as we finish out the Sermon on the Mount, those questions will be right at the top of mind, I hope, for all of us. And I want you to keep those questions in mind as we look at Matthew chapter 7 and we read verses 13 through 21. We, we won't preach all these verses today, but I want you to hear all these verses. We might even go down to verse 
23. This is what the Lord says. You know, most of you know that's been coming, all that we've preached up to this point through the Sermon on the Mount. And as the closing remarks, Jesus begins to say this. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let's pray. God, help us to see the truth of these scriptures this morning. Break us, God. Break us of our sinfulness, Lord. Break us of our pride. Break us of our stubbornness, Lord, the stubborn wheels that we have, God. Break our hearts. We need to be broken this morning, Father. Humble us, God, in your presence this morning, God, that we might receive grace. You said, Father, in your word, you resist the prayer, but you give grace to the humble. God, this morning we come in need of grace. All of us, Lord, without exception, every person in this building, God, whether they know it or not, is in need of grace. And I pray, God, today, Lord, that you would pour out your mercy and grace upon us, God. And Lord, as we study these scriptures together this morning, God, that you'd speak to our hearts, that you would speak into our lives, God, that you would help us, God, to examine ourselves, help us to see the truth, God. Help us to, to really here, God, not to just in one ear, as, as I, I believe Brother Josh said this morning, not just in one ear, out the other, but Lord, help us to really hear, to really hear what it is the Spirit is saying to us, God, this morning. Lord, those that are lost amongst us this morning, God, and I have every confidence, Lord, in a crowd this size that there are some here who don't know you, God. I wish it worked so far. And I pray, God, today would be the day of salvation for them, Lord. I pray today they would get serious about things, God, before it's too late. God, help us now, God. Strengthen. Strengthen me, God. Give me boldness. Help me to preach your word, God, in, in truth, God. Lord, your word is the only thing that has authority, God. Not the opinions of man, not the thoughts of man, but only your word. And God, help us this morning to stay true to it, God. If I should say anything, Lord, that would be contrary to it, God, just shut my mouth. Don't let me lead any astray. 
Father, this morning, God, help the truth to sink into our hearts. I'm burdened, God, by these scriptures, Lord, and I thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, you remember last week, we began the message by looking at two kinds of disciples. You remember that? Two kinds of disciples. There were the genuine disciples who, who loved him, who believed him, who trusted in him and they were the disciples that also followed him for the miracles and the healing and the the bread and so on i hope you remember what i'm talking about but when the teaching got hard those other disciples when it got hard they turned and the bible says they walked away and followed him no more they they, they came to a moment of truth as jesus was beginning to teach them the harder things they got to this moment of truth and they had a real decision to make. And I pray today will be one of those moments for some of you. I hope it's the kind of moment where your eyes are open to the truth and that you must decide. I pray that you'll listen this morning and realize that Christianity is not just another religion. It's not just some club that you join or some organization that you get to be a part of. It's not just some side part of your life. It's everything. Amen. Listen to me. Honestly, I, 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 let's reason together. This is more important than your career. This is more important than your marriage. This is more important than your family. This is more important than your retirement plan or your bank account or your education or your hobbies. It's more important than your dreams. This is life and death. This is eternity. This determines it all. This is not something you just play around with. It isn't just some Sunday morning religious ritual that earns you some points with the big guy in the sky. <clears throat> this is serious. It, it, it's, it's, it's not something that you do half-hearted. It's not something that you can be indifferent about. This is where you will spend eternity. That's what's at stake this morning. The reality is that you're going to stand before God. And you have broken his law. You've broken it. You've sinned. I've sinned. And what will you say? What will you do on that day? I got to ask you this morning. Are you born again? Have your sins been forgiven and washed by the blood of Jesus? Have you realized the truth about your sin and confessed those sins to God? Have you come to the end of yourself? Have you died to self 
and trusted in Christ alone. Is your life hid in Christ? You see, you've got to get this right. There's nothing more important than this. And this is why we emphasized last week. And this is why we told you, Jesus said to you, to all, enter. The very first word in, 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 in verse 13, he says, enter. Enter into his kingdom. That's what he's talking about. Before it's too late. Come into the kingdom. Think about it. Uh, because of his great love, the king of kings says to enter into his kingdom. He knows that this world is passing away. Every, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Every single day, we're closer. We're inching closer and closer and closer. And he knows this. And he calls out and he says, enter. If you come to the door of salvation, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. I want you to know this morning, every person listening, every single person, I want you to know, you can have your soul cleansed from sin. You can have your chains broken. Every person, you can be restored to a right relationship with God. You can not only uh, 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 talk a good talk, you can abide in his love. He's made the way. We can know him. We can have fellowship with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. These are promises from his word. We can have his spirit living in us. We can walk in newness of life. You can have eternal life. The blood of Jesus can wash away your sins. We can experience resurrection. I believe that. If you're listening this morning and you're without Christ, repent and believe the gospel. Come by grace through faith and enter into the kingdom of heaven. Enter into the kingdom of God. Come. But I want you to see this morning. We focused on that last week. And I want you to see this morning that Jesus doesn't just say enter, but he, he tells us that there are two gates. There are two gates. And it matters which gate you go through. These two gates lead to two different destinations. There's two different roads behind these gates. And in his great love and his mercy, he tells us where these roads end so that we can make the right choice. And that's why this is so important. Because as you read these words, you can look at the road that you're walking on right now. And you don't have to wonder, where am I going? You don't have to guess, how will this end for me? You can know exactly where you're going and exactly how it ends. And I'll tell you the good news. 
even before we get into the hard stuff, I'll tell you the good news. If you went through the wrong gate and you're on the wrong road, you can turn back this morning and get back to the right gate. And you can enter it in. But you got to examine yourself this morning. You've got to humble yourself. Now, I want you to look with me at this first gate. This may seem like an unusual message to some of you this morning. This is a this this first gate. Just just look at it there, Matthew chapter seven. It's a he says it's a narrow gate, and Jesus makes it clear as he describes uh, this gate. He says only a few will enter this gate. You see that? I didn't make that up. <laughs> only a few will find it. Why? Because this gate. He says those words. He says, because this gate leads to the difficult and the hard way. In other words, the road behind this gate isn't easy to walk. But the road behind this gate leads to life. Yeah. Even though the gate is narrow and even though the way is difficult, this is the road you want to be on because it ends in life. Now the other gate, he describes it. The other gate, he says it's wide and it leads to the broad way, which is a much easier road to walk. And Jesus tells us that many go through that gate but at the end of that broad road, there awaits nothing but destruction. I'm just taking my time. I want you to see it this morning. Now, I'll tell you this. The wide gate looks appealing because it leads to the easy way. Now, I want you to do me a favor this morning. And I want you to picture in your mind, if you can, that you're standing at these two gates. And this will sound strange to you, but bear with me while I preach this. Above both these gates is a cross. Off to the right, as you look, you see the narrow gate. It's old and small. And at the front of that gate, there are a few old bags left laying around. And as you look beyond the gate, you can see the path is steep. It's rough. It's not going to be easy. And you look and you see only a few people walking up that steep mountain. And strangely, as you look, and I just want you to, I'm just trying to get all of your senses involved this morning. As you look up beyond that gate and you see those couple of, 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 of sojourners going up that mountain, you can hear them singing as they go. And you notice that there's one walking with them who seems to be their guide. He's guiding their steps and helping them over the rough terrain. He's protecting them and keeping them safe. And everything that he says, they're careful to do. And you notice that even though the path, it seems rough, 
They have a joy about them as they climb. You can see it on their faces and you can hear it in their singing. And it all seems strange as you look beyond that little gate. And outside that narrow, small, old gate, there stands a few men proclaiming that salvation has come. And they cry out. They say, repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Turn from your sins and turn to Christ. Wash your sins in his blood. Come, follow him, believe in him, and you shall be saved. For he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way. Come to him and leave this world behind. Enter in, leave all your bags. Drop it all. There's no crowd around this gate. There's just a few people standing by listening. They don't really seem that interested. They're just watching the climbers as they go. And then you look over to the left and you see the other gate. And it's a beautiful gate. It's big. It's wide. And there are a great multitude of people walking through that gate. They carry all kinds of nice things with them as they go. Just on the other side of that gate, they're giving them more things, as many as they can get. And people are stuffing their bags and stuffing their pockets full. And all kinds of pleasures seem to be happening there beyond that gate. The road is so broad. It's not steep at all. It's just wide and easy. And the people walking on it, they seem to feel good. There's all kinds of events happening around on either side of the road. While there's even buildings along the side of the road, uh, along that Broadway, they look just like church houses. There's nice people in there, people that you know. And at the wide gate, there are people proclaiming, come this way. Come this way. Both gates lead to the same place. Don't take the hard way. Come the easier way. You don't have to climb up that steep hill. That's pointless. Just look around. Don't you see most people are coming this way? You don't have to leave your bags behind. Just come in. We've got so much to give you. And I'm going to tell you this morning the difference between those two gates. And I'm going to tell you the difference on those roads. Because I believe these gates, this isn't just talking about lost and saved. It is, but I want to help you understand it for the way that I believe it's truly written. I believe these two gates symbolize true Christianity and false Christianity. True faith and false faith. True and false belief. The narrow gate Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And the devil's false salvation is the wide gate by religious works and self-effort. You see, the true salvation that results in obedience is the narrow gate, and the false salvation uh, that results in the abuse of the grace of God and a license and excuses to sin, that's the broad gate. 
The narrow gate is the way of Christ. It's salvation through His blood. His blood being the atonement for our sins. It's the grace of God that we find in the gospel that proclaims His finished work for us. It's through His righteousness. It is faith in Him. It's trusting in Him. It's believing in Him. It's all about Him. When you come through that narrow gate, you let go of all your self-righteousness. You see, the, the, the scriptures are, are plain. The Lord is plain spoken. You are required to, when you, when you come through that gate, you are required as you walk through to deny self. To, to, to take up your cross and to follow him. For the rest of your life. All the way to the end. Listen to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you something this morning. You've got to deny all self-righteousness. <clears throat> you cannot trust in your own works to save you. We don't think that our good deeds will make us right before God. We don't trust in our religious efforts to save us. It's not our giving it's not our acts of kindness. It's not our church attendance. It's not how much we have done for the Lord. It's not about being a good person, a good mom, a good dad, a good husband, a good wife, a good employee, a good church member. We know when you come through that narrow gate, we deny self. We realize our righteousness our best efforts are filthy rags. We're not good at all. We're just sinners following the Savior. So we deny all self-righteousness. We throw it to the side. We take up our cross. What, what, what does the cross do? It kills. That's what it does. The cross represents death. And there are two aspects of this that I want you to, I want you to see. You see, listen, when we're born again, we go through the narrow gate. And when we, as we go through the narrow gate, the old man, the Bible says, is crucified with Christ. You say, I don't understand what you're trying to preach this one. I'm trying to preach true Christianity. The reason it sounds foreign to you is because you never hear it anymore. The old man is crucified with Christ. We die to sin. And God does this work in us. The apostle Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. God finished this work at salvation. From the moment we're born again, the old man dies. Crucified. He said this in Romans. He said, reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God. Jesus took our sins upon himself. Jesus nailed our law breaking to his cross. He took the punishment for my sins. He paid the penalty by shedding his own blood. He died as the perfect sacrifice for me. It's him that justifies. It's him that redeems. Not we ourselves. It's not of our works. You say, I don't know why you keep emphasizing that. Because most Christians today mingle in their works. And I don't want you to do that. I want you to have no confidence in the flesh. None. I don't want you to boast in one thing you've done. I don't want you to get to the end of your life and stand before the Lord and say, Lord, you know how many times I went to church as if that will get you in that door. I want you to say this, Lord, you saved me. Your blood washed me and made me white as snow. Your blood. And yes, Lord, I went to church, uh, but I know it didn't do a thing uh, as far as my salvation. My salvation was there because Christ came, Christ died, and Christ rose. It's all in Him. All in Him. That's what I want you to be able to say. Most people today can't say it. They can't say it. The second aspect of this death when we pick up our cross is the Bible says we crucify our flesh. We're told to put to death the sinful works of the flesh. And we're, we're called to do this work by the help of the Holy Spirit. Listen to Galatians 5, 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Have you? See, this, present, this scripture presents a real problem for a lot of people today. A lot of people today who claim to be Christians, but, but, but they've not crucified the flesh. They've not crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They still live in their sin. They still love their sin. They still are proud of their sin. They still take pleasure in their sin. That's not the heart of a Christian. You say, well, you saying Christians are sinless? Oh, no. No, Christians aren't sinless. We sin. We come short of the glory of God. But we hate it. And we war against it. And we fight against it. And as the Spirit reveals it to us, we, we seek to put it to death. If you say, I don't live like that, then you're missing it. You're missing it. Look back in Matthew 16, 25. Look at what he says. He says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There are so many people today that profess to be Christians, but they've not lost their lives for his sake. They've not died to self. They've not taken up their cross. They've not crucified the flesh. In fact, it's just the opposite. 
They're busy trying to save their lives. They're pursuing this world and the things of this world instead of obedience to God. They're seeking the world's treasures and not the treasures of heaven. All the while, doing a few religious things to ease their conscience. To make them believe they're Christians. And I'm going to tell you the real reason. It's because there are many, many Christians, professing Christians today, that went through the wide gate. That's the one that most go through. That's what Jesus said, not me. Most go through the wide gate. They hear the gospel, but what they accept is religion. They think the gospel is religion. They think this is what it takes to be saved. Be nice to people. Try hard to be a good person. Get yourself cleaned up. Go to church when you can, when you feel like it. Be generous. Be good. There's no need to deny yourself. There's no need to get serious about these things. Uh, just, just say a prayer. Get baptized. Live your life. That's all that matters. If you live in sin, so what? So what? Everybody does. You don't have to crucify your flesh. It's ridiculous. You can read the Bible if you want to, but you don't have to follow it. It's a little outdated anyways, right? All this talk of commitment, all this talk of service, all this talk of evangelism, all this talk about love, all this talk about seeking God and living for God, you've got better things to do with your life. You see, that's the broad road. And that's what the false prophets and the false converts say. And they say that leads to the same destination in the end. When you get to the end, it doesn't matter. God will just let you. They're headed for destruction. And they'll take you with them if they can. I wish I could explain it more clearly to you today. The plainest way I can say it is, is that there are many people that profess to be Christians, but they went through the wrong gate. Now this gate, this wide gate, this is the gate the enemy has set up. It's the false gospel of the enemy. It looks close to the real thing, but it's not the real thing. The prophets who stand outside and invite you to come into this gate, they look like the real thing, but they're not the real thing. This is not anything new. Listen to Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Listen to what Paul says. He says, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus did for you, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. But now listen. Listen to what, what he writes. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. 
But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me read these scriptures to you. Paul says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. They transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. It's a great deception taking place today. A great deception. This has been the tactic of the enemy throughout the ages. He's always tried to present a false way. In the garden, he presented Eve a false way. You can eat of the tree. It's fine. Eat. I, I, I wonder, I almost guarantee you, if it wasn't the enemy that said to Cain, take the fruit of the ground, the Lord will be pleased with that. The Lord will be pleased. People struggle. They say, why did, why did God accept Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's? But it's not hard to understand. Abel's sacrifice was the firstborn of his flock. It was a blood sacrifice. Cain tried to get forgiveness through something other than the blood. Do you see it? The enemy is still trying to make that happen today. He's trying to convince you that you can come some other way than through the blood. But there's no other way. There's no other way other than through the blood of Jesus. You say, well, listen, the enemy says religion, it's enough. Hard work, it's enough. Being a good person is enough. Church attendance is enough. Church membership is enough. Baptism is enough. And I want you to know the truth this morning. Uh, you've got to be washed in the blood of Christ. And that's the only thing that will be enough. Nothing else will be enough. You've got to come through the narrow gate. You can do everything else. Everything else. But if you haven't come through the blood, if you haven't come through the narrow gate, you won't enter in to his kingdom. Listen to what he said in Matthew 7, 21. We read it just a minute ago. This is clarified for you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. There's going to be lots of people, many people, who thought they were following Jesus, but they were deceived. They went through the wrong gate. You've got to take this serious this morning. You say, well, you're trying to make me doubt my salvation. No, I'm trying to make sure that you have salvation. Many people will think they prophesied in his name that they cast out demons in his name, that they done wonders in his name, but he never knew them. They were on the wrong road the whole time. Preacher, 
How do I know that I went through the right gate? I'll tell you, it's right here in these verses. But first, I'll ask you this question. Did you come by the way of the blood of Jesus Christ? Or did you try to come some other way? Right now, right now, as you sit and listen to this message, is all your hope, all your confidence, is it resting in his blood or in your works? If it's in your works, you went through the wide gate. And you're on the broad road. And you may do all kinds of religious things. Cain offered a sacrifice. That's a pretty religious thing. And you're just like him. You're trying to bring the fruit of your labor to God to say, here, look, God, be pleased with this. But in Hebrews 9, 28, it says this, Christ has put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Of himself. Listen to Hebrews 10, 12 through 14. And just, just hear what it says. But this man, Christ, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, Set down at the right hand of God. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. It's in him, church. It's in Christ, not in you. Not in your efforts or your labors. You say, I think I came by way of the blood. I think I've come through the narrow gate. Well, here's the evidence. This is the listen, everybody's fine as long as I'm preaching that Jesus is the way, but listen to this. This will finish up, this will finish the naysayers off, I'm sure. Here's the evidence. Those that enter by the narrow gate bear the good fruit of obedience. They do the will of the Father, which is in heaven, because they've been born again. They've got the Spirit of God living in them and He causes them to walk in His statutes and to do them. They've been changed. They've been crucified with Christ. They died and now Christ is their life. This is their life. Listen to me. You don't die and not know it. If we profess to be Christians, our lives should be sincere and joyful obedience to what God has revealed in the scriptures. So that's, it's too hard for me. Well, you might be like the disciples that had to turn back. If you've been through the narrow gate, you will bear the good fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Everything you need to be obedient to what's written here is in, those, is in that fruit. Everything you need. How do I forgive when I know somebody's done wrong? Well, I have the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit that allows me to love. I couldn't do it without him. How, how, how do you, 
it, as you're climbing up this steep mountain and as you separate further and further from the world and, and you become the laughingstock and you're ridiculed, uh, uh, how do you have joy? Because I have the Holy Spirit who produces joy. How, how could you possibly, listen, church church members will understand this, how could you possibly be in a church and, and, and not get so frustrated with other people and, and not go crazy because the Holy Spirit is in me and he gives me patience. The same way that they don't, the same way they can put up with me. Amen? Amen. If you've been through the narrow gate, your life, and I want you to hear this, your life will be centered in Christ. Christ won't be on the outskirts of your life. He'll be at the center of everything you do. Every decision you make will be for Him. You'll live for His glory. Your heart will desire His glory. You will, op you, you will offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You will love him and keep his commandments. Now, I'm, I'm speaking to those right now who are professing Christians, and I have to ask you, by which gate did you enter? By which gate did you enter? And you've got to look at the evidence of your life to answer that question. I'm asking you, do you ignore his commandments? Do you live for the world? Do you seek to justify your sin? Do, do, do you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Is Christ the center of your life? Have you crucified the flesh with its passions and desires? Have you denied yourself, picked up your cross and followed him? Have you lost your life for his name's sake? Well, you've been trying to keep it. Do you love him more than you love anything else? Or are you still in love with this world? I'm telling you this morning, as hard as it sounds, there are some who the only difference between them and the unbeliever is they come to church once or twice a week. They ignore 98% of the commands of the New Testament. They, they live their lives uh, and, and it looks nothing like what the New Testament declares that it should, but it doesn't matter to them. They're following the crowd, but I'm telling you this morning, the crowd goes through the wide gate. You say, what a hopeless message. What a hopeless message. I've already given you the good news this morning. The good news is, is that if you're sitting here and this message has made you aggravated and made you angry, made you convicted, whatever it did to you, no matter where you are this morning, no matter how long you've been walking on a wide road, if that's you on the wide road, you can come back. That's the grace of God at work this morning. You can come back 
And you can look again at those two gates and you can make the right decision. You can say, I'm going to go through the narrow gate. I'm going to repent of, of, of trying to impress God with my filthy works. I'm going to repent of, 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 of my disobedient lifestyle. I'm going to repent of the fact that I play church and that it ain't very serious to me. I'm going to repent of the fact that, I, I, that I, I, I'm lukewarm at best. I'm going to repent of all those things and I'm going to walk through this narrow gate and I'm going to live for Christ and I'm going to be born again and I'm going to crucify my flesh and I'm going to follow Him. It's not too late. It's not too late. Follow Jesus. Trust in Him alone. Be born again. Deny self. Pick up your cross and follow Him. Join the other pilgrims on the journey. Start living out the commands of Scripture with all your heart and seeking God with all your heart and let go of this, this pretend religion. Let it go. And, and do exactly what Christ said right there in Matthew 7, verse 13. This was His command. I told you last week what grace and mercy that He says enter, but I want you to see the fullness of it this week. Enter by the narrow gate. You've got to come that way. You've got to come by the narrow gate. The, the wide gate will take you away from Him. You, you, you'll think things are fine. You, 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 you'll think that it's no big deal. But it's pulling you away. It's a way of deception. It's a gate. It's a deceiving gate. But Jesus said, come on the narrow way. Join me. Lord, is it an easy way? No. He said it's difficult. He said it's difficult. Lord, will I have to be miserable the whole time? No, he said he'll give you his joy. You don't have to be miserable. Just because something's hard doesn't mean it has to make you miserable. Amen? Amen. I, don't know, I don't know if you all agree with that or not, to be honest with you. Beware of the false prophets. I'll preach more on this maybe next week. I don't, or not next week, but the week after. I don't know for sure. But, but but listen, beware of those who surround you all the time and pat you on the back and say it's fine that you don't follow the Lord the way the Bible says you're supposed to. It's fine. Nobody, nobody follows this button. Nobody does it. It's no big deal. Beware. Beware. Surround yourself with people who says you can't live like that. You can't do that. We got we gotta we gotta we gotta climb this mountain together. We gotta we gotta push each other. We gotta we gotta strive. That's what Jesus said in, in Luke 13. And I, I'm I'm trying to finish. In Luke 13, this is what he said. I'll find it. I hope I can. Yes, listen. When the man asked him, Lord. Are there few who are saved? He said, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Are you striving? I'm not talking about trying to earn your salvation. I'm preaching the exact opposite of that. I'm talking about you can't earn your salvation. 
You've got to strive not to think you can earn your salvation. You've got to strive to put all your hope in Christ. And, and you want to know what to be striving for? Uh, you pick a page and read it and do what it says. Do what it says. Follow it. I told a brother this week, this will sound rude. I don't mean it to be rude. But we've got to wake up. I don't know who. I, I would venture to say, I don't know who does and who don't, but I would venture to say that there are several Christians, even right here in our church, who don't open their Bible from Sunday to Sunday. And you're telling me you're striving? You're telling me that you that, that, that you love God's commandments and His Word? And you don't even open the Word? Well, I... I don't need to open the word, you know. Uh, we've got all this good preaching. Don't don't flatter me. I'll tell you right now, you need to open the word. You need to study this word, and more importantly, not only just read it and get your little check box in, you need to read it and do what it says. You're getting ready to see. We're going to get down to it. I can't help but jump ahead. We're going to get down to it. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7, but you're getting ready to get to the, the main crescendo of it all. And I'm just going to tell you what it says right here. He, he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. But whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Which kind are you this morning? Which kind are you? Which one are you? Say, ah, you're taking it too serious. No, you're not taking it serious enough. It's time to get serious. As we stand to our feet this morning, it's time for us to get serious. Young people, you say, oh, I'll live forever. You won't. Old people, you say, ah, it's too late for me to change. It's not. Never too late. I'm asking you this morning. How's your heart? How's your heart? I don't know anybody's situation. I don't know anybody's circumstance. But here's what I know. If God's word is spoken to you this morning, this is all I'll say. If God has spoke to you this morning, and you right now you think, I, I, I want to pray. The altar's open to you to come pray. The altar's open. If you're lost, you say, what do I do to be saved? Just come and Talk to the Father. Come and confess your sins to God. Just confess them. Just say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Wash me in your blood. Wash me and I shall be clean. Wash me white as the snow. Are you following God's word? Are you obedient to his commands? Everyone here that wants to be this morning, everyone here that feels like they need to be this morning, I hope. We're going to join together in prayer with these. You can stand and pray or you can be seated and pray, whatever's best comfortable.